0: Be good.
1: (laughs) Welcome to this special edition of the Monkey Tooth Podcast. I'm here with Tiffany... Hello. And Pele, who hopefully won't say shit, but uh, only because he's not mic-trained. Otherwise, he's great. I'd love to hear what he has to think about all these things. That would actually be the greatest thing we could ever record if somehow we could convey his thoughts on our journey. But anyhow, this uh, special episode is relating specifically to our time and journey through the wonderful country of Guatemala. Uh, We're going to give you our route, which Tiffany is going to dive into uh, momentarily, or presently, I think is the correct way to say that. Yeah, presently, Tiffany will be telling you about that. Uh, And shortly after that, she and I will tell you stories about being there. So, yeah, Tiff, what was our route through Guatemala?
2: Okay, we entered Guatemala from Belize. We headed straight to a town called Flores, which is on Lago Patin Itza. Uh, It's about an hour, two hours from the border. Tiny little town, little island. Uh, We went around to the other side of the lake, to El Armate and spent some time there. And then we came down to Rio Dulce, which is um, on Lago de Isabel. and spent some time around the lake, and then we went over, took the boat to Livingston, just for the day. Then we came down and around, and we went to Antigua. Spent some time, a couple weeks in Antigua. We went over to Lake Atitlan and San Marcos. And then we went over to Quetzaltenango or Xela. And then we came back, went to Guatemala City. And then we spent the night in Las Cascadas just this very near the border of Guatemala and El Salvador. And most of the roads we took, we the route we took for many reasons, but one of the main reasons is the roads. All the roads that we took were, for the most part, nice and paved and smooth. There was mm-hmm. bumps along the way, but we didn't take any of the um, rough routes.
1: No, we took very, very little rough route, yeah. which I appreciate tremendously. Yeah. So uh, we had a, an incredible experience, I mm-hmm. would say in Guatemala. The people are obviously, I don't know if obviously, whatever, the people are wonderful. <laughs> the culture is super rich, very, very Mayan uh, and mixed with uh, Spanish uh, influence and interesting other European influences. Uh, it's it, at times incredibly modern and at times feels ancient and then like it's five hundred years old and then yeah it was it was great. We made some new friends that we'll have for life in uh, in Guatemala. Uh, we had encounters with wild animals, domesticated animals. Uh, we had our first accident in the van. Uh, we had some very expensive repairs not related to an accident in the van. Um, Uh, And we'll we'll tell you a few of those stories right now. First, right away, like our second night in the country, we were uh, we just happened to move the van from one spot to another that was getting more sun. We needed more sun because our batteries were dying. Uh, Our our batteries. Solar. Yeah, solar batteries were crapping out, um, which ties to our later our latter story of um, very expensive repairs, but. In the meantime, we are trying to finesse our batteries, so we moved the, vo- the van very fortuitously because as soon as we moved, within moments, this guy walks up and starts asking us questions about our van, an American guy, very charming and happy guy, and his wife start asking us questions, saying, oh, we've got a Sprinter van back home in the States, and talk, talk, talk. That was Bob and his wife, Anna, who you, um, if you listen to this show, you heard from Bob, uh, he is an incredible guy, just individually. His wife is lovely and Bob is a, um, he's dealing with a terminal diagnosis of prostate cancer. While we're talking to Bob, this goofy Dodge Caravan pulls up behind us with a roof tent or a roof box on the top and out saunters this little French dude who is now our pal, Elyon. Eliano, who is uh he's awesome. And he is a, a total sweetheart of an individual. Mm-hmm. And it just we just happened to meet both of those people within a ten minute period. Uh, both of them have been guests on this podcast. Both of them are people who I cherish and uh, wish well and we ended up spending a lot of time with Elion, and like quite a bit of time. We traveled with him I don't know, three or four different times, and we've uh We've now seen him in El Salvador, which is cool. Seen him in more than one country. And we'll
2: um, hopefully, see him in Costa Rica.
1: Yeah, hopefully see him again. So uh, that was really cool. Uh, we went with Elion to uh, our first, our second destination, which was the uh, El Ramate, the little town on the lake, and it was so beautiful. I mean, just gorgeous sunsets. The lake was a perfect temperature, it was clear, Pele could swim in it, we all swam in it and played and ate and just had a great time. And uh, is, you don't care if I tell this story about mm-hmm. the guy? Tiffany has, well, she has not since then, but before this, continuously, I mean, in any city we were in, she was like, why don't you go buy me a joint? Which is an absurd, absurd thing to say for a number of reasons. But I, I, I have I said a- said please. Yeah, she did say please, I forgot. I have a policy of not, I, don't, I try not to buy drugs anyway, but certainly not from people whose job it is to sell drugs. If I'm gonna buy, if, if we're gonna procure, uh, like, I hate to even call marijuana a drug, cause I mean, we buy coffee from the grocery store and that's a drug, but whatever. Anyway, if I, I don't want to buy pot from a guy who just sells pot all the time, so I would always say no. I would buy pot from someone who just smoked pot and wanted to sell me some. Well, there's this guy who lives in this little town where we were in El Romante. Who uh, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, go see Adonis. He's hilarious. You'll have a great time. Buy some pot from him. He's fine." And I went over to buy coconut water, and Adonis was there. I said, "Hey." Do you, can I just buy a joint from you? Do you mind just selling me a single, solitary joint? And I cannot tell you how much I regret that sentence. Because that dude sucked. He was horrible. Everybody thought he was hilarious. He got on my last fucking nerve. And I feel like I'm a pretty patient person normally. And I know you're patient, Tiffany. And he got on your nerves too, right? Like it wasn't just me. Eventually. He me, yeah, he, he was getting on everyone's nerves yeah. there eventually. He, he just, just
2: started not being nice. He, that was the thing.
1: He got on my nerves first and very quickly. <laughs> and uh, we'd met this new couple who showed up. Uh, a guy named Pete and his, uh, I love his fiance, girlfriend, boyfriend. A significant,
2: significant other.
1: Significant traveling partner, partner special friend, lady. Um, Kate. Kate. And they're so polite like he's definitely the most polite Australian I've ever met Mm -hmm. Uh, no offense Australians but most Australians that I've met wouldn't have tolerated this guy a tenth as long as everybody else did anyhow uh, this guy was just getting he was very drunk I should say very drunk and was just kind of being a dick I thought and he would Mm -hmm. not stop talking and that's coming from a guy who has not stopped talking for many sentences in a row, but uh, it was it was just awful. We we're trying to hang out by this fire and get to know each other, and this guy just wouldn't shut up. So finally, I snapped. I was just like, "Man, hey, Adonis, will you please just stop talking for a second? Just just stop. Give it a break." And he like got very upset and started getting really mad and giving everybody shit. So finally, I don't know. I just like. I wasn't a dick to him outright. Maybe I was a little bit of a dick to him, but I just told him to leave. And it's his place. It's like he lives there. We're tourists. It's like, man, you just you're bugging us. Just go away. Just don't go away, mad. Just go away. And eventually he did, which I think is the first time on our journey where we've like had to just tell somebody to go away. Right? Have I think we? So. Have, have we had that sort of encounter? No. I don't know. It's not the greatest story in the world, but it was like our first encounter with like kicking someone out of our campsite and uh it's always it's a weird thing to be that person because everyone else was kind of tolerating the guy and I was the one who was like get the fuck out of here you got to go just beat it I don't know it's not a position I like being in but somebody had to do it I think what do you think I handled it okay or should I have done something differently
2: well you said after the fact that you wish you had pulled him away from everybody and been it's true. Been a little bit more um I guess not in front of everybody where it would have made him feel bad. Yeah. Like and maybe I guess that obviously would have been a little bit nicer, but he was quite intoxicated, so I don't know if you know, no matter which way or how you said anything, it probably you probably even if you had pulled him away, he probably still would have come back because he would leave and come back and leave and come back, and so he probably would have come back and you would have had to really be forceful with him in the end anyways
1: yeah but
2: but nobody want like at the towards the end, nobody really wanted him there, which um, sounds ungracious, but he was dominating the whole conversation, and nobody could talk to one another, and he was being he wasn't being nice. He was talking shit about everybody. Like, our friend Elion, who's from France, he was saying stuff about French people, and of course Americans, which I totally understand. And I don't know if he said anything about British. Kate was from the UK and Pete was from Australia, but he was kind of starting to talk shit about white people, which I get, but it's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get Say your piece, but like, You you don't have to, like... Right, take a breath or something. Yeah. But anyways, (laughs) it was a little uncomfortable, but um, we were still in a beautiful place, and he did eventually leave us to some peace and quiet in the campfire. Yeah. It worked out.
1: It was a good lesson in how to, like, I don't know, just handle conflict, because I hate it. I do not enjoy conflict whatsoever. And okay for
2: me don't buy pot from a drug dealer <laughs>
1: yeah. especially not a drunk one <laughs> what a dumb move all right uh from there we uh where did we go next you just said it moments ago Rio, Dulce. Rio Dulce.
2: no 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 we well we went we did a little side trip to yaksha um oh yeah yeah
1: the really cool ruins that were mm-hmm. uh, we didn't go to tikal <laughs> which are like the huge, yeah. gigantic Mayan ruins that everybody says go to. We just met many couples who had, and other people who had gone and visited. Some people were like, oh my God, it's amazing, you have gotta go. Other people were like, if you just wanna hang out in the, with thousands of other people, uh, go for it. But if not, go to Yaksha, which was down this crazy little dirt road and it was on a river. Very, very cool little ruin. I liked it. Did you like it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wild. It was good. I thought it was great. Um, And there were monkeys in -hmm. the jungle, which was really cool. Like Being surrounded by howler monkeys while you're looking, climbing up uh, Mayan ruins is pretty cool. And there was hardly anyone there. It's like maybe seven people there while we were there. Uh, That might include the guys who were selling potato chips in the parking lot. Uh, and from there, then we went to Rio Dulce. Yes. And we went to the waterfalls. What were right. those called?: uh,
2: They were called I think El Para El.
1: Paracil. They are
2: waterfalls on um, oh goodness. Uh, Lago de is- Lago de Isabel
1: Isabel. It is super freaking cool. I've never been in a uh, hot spring oh. waterfall before. You, like, sat in this beautiful, I mean, like, jungle stream. It was, like, cold waters and not freezing cold, but just cool water is maybe, what, like, between waist and ankle-deep water?
2: Yeah. Was, uh,
1: there's some places you can get, deep. like, there's a pool you could get in that was about, I don't know, chest-deep, and it's, like, a little stream. And flowing into that stream from above was this waterfall of, like, I don't know, 90, 8 degree water. It was just perfect. No, it was more than 98 degrees. Was it was like, hot. Yeah, it was like 104 degrees or something. It was amazing. Like pouring down your back and like massaging your shoulders and back and stuff. It was, it was pretty cool. It was way cool. There was nobody there for about an hour. Uh, it, we had the whole place to ourselves until a tour tour bus showed up, but it was, it was really, really cool. Tempered with all of that, though, you're at at all times we didn't mention this in Belize when we talked about Belize but the poverty once you leave Mexico the amount and the extent and the the level of poverty that you encounter is really stark I mean very very stark children working incredibly hard uh doing very arduous labor uh, and begging just outright begging or or, and or selling things uh, so it's It's tough, you know you gotta you gotta be um, compassionate and wise at the same time around all this uh this poverty, particularly as it relates to children um, i don't know that was that was a little interesting um but I, do you want to tell a story about the bull or do you have me to tell a story about the bull
2: um you can tell the story, I just want to say the correct name of the place where we were for people who want to know. It's Cascadas Calientes El Pariso. Pariso. Pariso.
1: So we stayed on the lake um, across the street from the the waterfall because we heard that like, I mean, it just sounds like so petty and so shitty, honestly, but we heard that like the kids begging and all the, the, it's really, it's just kind of rough. Like to go there with your vehicle because they see a big, you know, foreign vehicle. It looks like you got a bunch of money, and they just can't accept that you won't give them some. You know, so we didn't park there. We parked across the street, and it was actually really beautiful. We parked on the lake, and uh, on the walk over, there was a, a woman and her t- uh, child and his friend, who had been near us where we were parked for the night, um, who were playing with Pele in the morning. I was throwing the ball and they started throwing the ball. Anyway, we ended up walking together um, down this really uh, beautiful country lane that was surrounded on either side by pastures and barbed wire fences, uh, low, you know, like not, not huge barbed wire fences, but um, fences nonetheless with the lake behind you and uh, mountains in front of you. It was just, it was really idyllic, I thought. Pretty, pretty day.
2: It was very beautiful.
1: And we're walking with this woman who was I don't know, three feet tall. I don't know. She's four, four or five. She's very, very short lady, and her children were very. Her son was very short, and, but they were incredibly sweet, and they were chatting with us as we were walking. And I saw ahead of us a fairly large bull, and we asked her, "Is Toro es amable? Is that bull nice? Because they walk this lane all the time." She's like, "Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry." <laughs> Very casual, like, my Spanish is not great, but I know when somebody's being casual. And uh, she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Within, I don't know, 45 seconds of her saying that, the bull, of course, doesn't encounter her and Pele ever, (laughs) or two gigantic white beasts. Um, So the bull just charges. It charged directly at us. And she and her son and the little boy dove underneath the fence to safety. Tiffany ran in a concentric circle uh, around herself, I guess. I don't know what you were running around. And I, like a moron, just stood there. I stood there thinking there's no way I'm going to get under that fence. I can't.
2: You told the bull, no.
1: Yeah. I can't save (laughs) Tiffany. I can't. There's nothing I can do here. So I just held my ground and I screamed at the thing, no. <laughs> I just said, no, really, really loudly. And uh, cause I thought it was kind of chasing after Pele a little bit. And it
2: always works. And, and if,
1: so. I didn't even mention Pele, just casually. If you could have had a cane and a cigar would have been the only thing that would have made it more casual, but he just like sauntered underneath the fence with the lady, <laughs> no regard to us or even really much of his own safety other than he just followed that lady under the fence. Uh, and that bull, it was, I mean, seven feet away from me, snorting and stomping its foot and dragging it, and then it just turned around and ran off. And I was so, it, I, I didn't, I wasn't even scared. It it all happened so fast that I didn't have time to be really afraid necessarily. And I went and helped the woman up uh, um, as she was getting out from underneath the fence, and I One thing I really like about this culture is if you offer help, they take it. They're just fine, here, help me. And she gave me her hand and like really pulled herself up and I pulled her and got her out of the the ditch and I asked her if she was okay, she said yes. I looked down and there's a pile of cow shit with what are clearly psilocybin mushrooms growing out of them, right there, like as at our feet. I'm amazed I didn't step in the cow flop to get her out of the ditch. And I immediately forgot about the bull and asked her if those, if they were Ungos Mexico's. <laughs> and the look on her face was just completely confused because she was scared shitless of this charging bull, you know, for the safety of herself and her child and two moron gringos who just stood there in the road. And she couldn't, she couldn't even process my question because it was so dumb for so many reasons. It was, uh, it was really funny. But it turns out those are most definitely magic mushrooms. Um, and then she went to Tiffany and what she blew on your chest, blew in your face.
2: Uh, she like tapped my chest three times and then like s- rubbed her hand across my chest too. And then I think she blew. It was just like she was trying to explain um, that to clear away the fear. Yeah. And. Um, and, of course, I wasn't thinking clearly and didn't reciprocate, but Andrew was thinking clearly and reciprocated to her yeah, to clear her that. fear because she was, she was scared.
1: Yeah, she was scared. I mean, she sees that. She walks that lane every single day, probably twice. And uh, that has obviously not happened before. <laughs> anyway, that was, that was intense. Um, and then we went to the, the waterfall, and on the way back, I collected as many of those little mushrooms as I could find. Uh, from there, we went to the town of Rio Dulce and stayed at a really cool marina. Mm-hmm. Met some world travelers. Not a single one of whom did I get on the podcast, but there were people who were like repairing their sailboats who had sailed there from all over the world. It's really cool. Where did where did we go next?
2: It was apparently it's like a safe harbor during hurricane season. A lot of people go to this. To this harbor, right. Um, to I don't know what how you say it. Hang out, not hang out, but like whatever you do. Yeah, they do repairs. They repairs, work on their boat. They eat through. Chips. Season.
1: Yeah. Pupusas.
2: <laughs> um We took a lancha That's to right. Livingston. That's right. Um, down the river, I don't recall the name of the river, but it's what the um, lago. Laco Isabel turns into it's part river part lake I guess
1: and then part sea takes you to the the sea sea. yeah.
2: Um, to Livingston which is like a Garifuna uh, community which are I guess they're their own community they're Creole I think Mm -hmm. um, and um, African and it's a little Rasta but not Rasta it's Garifuna Um, and the only way you can get to this town is by boat and I think there's some way from um, Belize maybe that you can bring vehicles because there were some vehicles Mm -hmm. but it's mainly by boat and it was about an hour and a half boat ride which to me was the best part was the boat ride awesome the boat ride was really really cool and They, like, stopped halfway, and we stopped at another hot water waterfall, and you could take the option to go check it out or just hang out at this restaurant on the lake and have a beer, which is what we did, and talk to a couple of sailors in in sailboats that were taking this same trip. Um, And then we only hung out at the town for a couple of hours and walked around, had some food, went to the beach, and then got back on the boat. And Pele was allowed to come on everything, which was really nice. And then took the ride back. And then then we, I don't know, stayed in Rio Dulce for a couple of days at the marina.
1: And that ride, it was fully operated by people whose combined age was less than me. Oh my gosh, And These kids were like...
2: Two young kids.
1: 12 and 15 that were operating this boat, which was... Flying, They were going so fast.
2: And packed full of people.
1: Packed full of full-grown adults. 20, 30 people in this boat. their luggage, in some cases, and, like, weird cargo. <laughs> and these kids are flying down this river. And, like, one of our stops, like, they just stopped near this little village. And all of a sudden you see, like, I don't know, four or five little girls in boats that are paddling their asses off. And they came over and, like, started selling us hand-carved stuff and weird little tchotchkes and things. Uh, and these kids, like, knew each other, so they would just stop and, like, okay, you can sell stuff to the gringos. And it was interesting.
2: But it's it was also, like, a water taxi, too, because it would stop and go in, like, little... Mm-hmm. Um, what do you call those villages? Little, like little, little villages on the water. Mm-hmm. Like you take a waterway into villages and like would pick up people and drop stuff. off things yeah. to these towns. <laughs> Laundry, I guess, supplies. Yeah, it was. Cool. So it was. It was really neat to be a part of that too. Mm-hmm. To have that experience.
1: Uh, what else? Then we went to um,
2: Antigua. Antigua. Yeah.
1: So if you're going to visit Guatemala, there's a really good chance you're going to Antigua anyway, and you're going to love it and yeah you'll just like it it was so pretty the weather i don't know it's like just kind of perfect Mm -hmm. we stayed at a really cool campground that had like a helicopter for a room (laughs) that was like perched up in a tree they had all these little buses that they'd converted into little cabins uh, and they lit vans and camper vans and stuff parked there there was a restaurant there they had showers it was Five, ten minutes walk to town. Um, it was magnificent. We stayed there for two weeks. Uh, we met up with Elion again. Uh, we met new people, uh, a lady named Tanya from Germany. Uh, we met a fantastic guy named Steve from Canada. Well, I, I love Steve. <laughs> Steve turned 71 while we were hanging out with him. We spent Christmas and New Year's with Steve. He's got the coolest vehicle. It's like a converted Japanese fire truck that he, I guess, imported from Japan into Canada, and he outfitted it with this pop-top roof and these really cool flare-out sides, and uh, it was just super creative. And he's like the calmest, most lovely, sweet character. Uh, we really liked Steve mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and spent, I don't know, like four weeks with Steve. Yeah. Like
2: uh-huh. Christmas dinner with everybody in Antigua, oh, at the yeah. campground, very nice Christmas dinner.
1: Um, yeah, the campground owners let me build an oven in a uh, in a fire pit. They had all these like construction materials, so I built an oven out of cinder blocks and corrugated metal for like a a lid. And they had like a big grill grate, and we did a a roast that Tiffany didn't eat. Mm-hmm it was a beautiful roast that we got from this brazilian restaurant and they uh they sold me a chimichurri sauce and we did a drunken chicken and roasted a ton of vegetables and everything and uh, steve who's like just super duper handy and has like every tool you can imagine had a a infrared thermometer and he kept checking the temperature of the oven and it was a perfect 350 degrees Mm -hmm. i mean you could not have asked for better and while we're there, you can like see uh, Vulcan Fuego, like an active volcano like erupting and it was so freaking cool. Um, yeah, Christmas dinner was awesome. We had just a really good time with a bunch of people and we also hiked up on top of our first volcano. Uh, why don't you tell that story?
2: Um, we went up onto Vulcan Acatenango which is right next to Volcan Fuego. Fuego is the highly active volcano in the area, which you can see from Antigua, and you can see from the Atitlán, and I think you can see it from Guatemala City. Like, you can just see it everywhere. It's huge. Um, we went with a tour company. They really recommend that you do, do it with a tour company, and you hike up, I think, the, to the summit, think is like 3900 meters which is approximately 12,000 or so feet roughly. Um, but the campground is I think about 600 meters lower. It's like 3,600 meters um, and you hike up to the campground in one day. Um, I think there was th- five of us plus our guide Edgar. And there was another guy at the campground when we got there who had like a fire going, which was so nice when we arrived. And Pele. And Pele. Pele got to come. They were totally cool with him coming. There was a great setup. They, they provide three meals, which were really good, mm-hmm. um, like a vegetarian option, a gluten-free option, and a regular option. They provide water, they provide the tents, they provide the camping gear. Um, all they, they provided everything, like if you didn't even have jackets. And one guy came in sandals, and the the group guide was like, you cannot go in those shoes. Do you not have any other shoes? And the guy was like, I don't have any other shoes. So they found him some tennis shoes, like nice hiking shoes to Very nice
1: hiking borrow
2: shoes. and yeah. walk up there with. And they had jackets, gloves, hats. I had everything that you needed. Um, all you had to bring was like two... Two more liters of water. They provided three, and like um, clothes and snacks. Mm-hmm. That was really basically all you had to bring, and it was roughly around forty U.S. dollars a person. Yes, so worth it. It's crazy. Cheaper
1: than snorkeling in Belize. Yeah,
2: it's crazy. <laughs> um, the hike up was incredibly challenging for me. Um, you are going straight up. You, there are no switchbacks. There's really no like level ground and the trail is incredibly loose. So loose sand, loose rocks, so you don't really get much traction ever. Um, so it was fun going up and fun going down. You're basically kind of sliding all the way down. Um, but when you got to the top, it was freezing, freezing, freezing cold to me. The wind was crazy. Um, but once, um, the wind kind of eventually calmed down, and you could just sit there, and you're right in front of this active volcano that's just pretty much erupting every five to ten minutes. And some are just little poofs of lava, but some were massive, massive eruptions with you could see rocks flying. Sometimes you could feel it. It was amazing, and stayed the night there, and then the group of us woke up at 3.45 in the morning to do the summit, which was, again, incredibly challenging for me. I didn't think I would make it, Um, but we made it up there, and it was even more freezing at the top of the summit. Um, But we watched the sunrise and watched the volcano, and you're at even more of an eye level with the volcano, Uh, Volcano Fuego that's erupting. And then we slowly made our way back down. It was, it was, worth every moment of the experience, and I highly recommend anybody who goes to uh, Guatemala to do this hike. Yeah,
1: I would second that. It's, it,
2: it's an amazing experience,
1: and just the hike up. I mean, I, I don't blame you for focusing on how tough it was, but like the it was beautiful anytime you go up a mountain the the scenery is going to change dramatically as you go up and this one did not fail because you start in kind of like weird uh like farmland that's all on the side of the mountain and then you get into this crazy forest and the type the types of forests change like it gets more arid and coniferous but at first you're in this like jungle forest that's just I don't know like out of some sort of fairy tale um it's a weird little sub zone in the mountain that's just like this brief band of, I don't know, a few hundred feet or something worth of elevation of this crazy cloud forest thing. And then you pop into the pines and all that, which was cool. And once our first view, because we, we hiked a good bit of it in the, uh, in the clouds. And then suddenly like the wind swept away the cloud for a moment and you could see like the Pacific ocean and all of Guatemala and then the freaking volcano next to us. And it was like this four seconds of glorious blissful joy. And then the cloud came back in and we just watched the, uh, the landscape change and the lighting change in and out of clouds. It was real. it was, it was dramatic to say the least with these gusting winds and ever shifting light and then sudden bursts of beauty and anticipation. You could sometimes hear the volcano and not see it, which was a a unique position to be in to like, you hear the sound that you've never, I had never heard it before. The volcanic eruption is like a very powerful noise uh, that you can feel almost as much as you can hear. And then, uh, you couldn't see any of it. You, know, you just had to guess roughly where it was. And then when you got the full combo of it, like darkness and lava and rocks and sound, it was, it was spectacular. So yeah, I second that. Go see this volcano.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, what else? We went to Atitlan. Oh yeah, from, uh, oh no, no, I guess we did that in Atitlan. Lake Atitlan is um, what, two, three hours from Antigua? roughly it's where all the hippies go man it's where they're all heading because <laughs> of the ley lines uh, Atitlan is a volcanic lake in this i don't know southern part of guatemala it is outstandingly beautiful mm-hmm. this gorgeous lake it's deep it's cold it's um it's changing you know things are changing it there's not people have asked me about the uh the environmental impact of you know farming practices and weird things going on around the area on the lake some people have say it, it is the levels dropped considerably and from what we could see there was a much higher water line and the the piers looked like they were higher uh, than they needed to be but uh other people say that the the lake has risen so i i don't know i don't know what to believe but all i know is it's a it's a very complex place with all sorts of really wealthy people um, who have bought land and have businesses. And then there's everyone else, like abject poverty and people just hustling their asses off to make it and live comfortably. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting mix, to say the least. Um, and, of course, while we were there, I, I fell into a weird depression in the midst of... Um, Well, Tiffany, tell them about uh, New Year's, because you had a really good experience on New Year's.
2: Oh, yeah, we, um, well, coming to Lake Atitlan, it's, you know, it's a highly anticipated place because you hear about all of the beauty and um, the views and the energy and everything like that. And we stayed outside of a little town called San Marcos. It's like one of the, um, kind of the only campground-like places in the area, um, and I don't know, we can, I personally kind of prefer a secure situation, you know, and most of the time I like to have a shower, so those are kind of nice things to have. And so we went to this campground with our new friends, Steve and Tanya, and our friend Elion was joining us in a few days, and then we also met up with some friends that we met in Oaxaca. Richard and Marie-Claude and their son, Rafi, they were also there. So it was kind of nice to have people that we knew there and we also met up with new people as well. Um, But yeah, we got there, I don't know, a couple of days before New Year's. And um, you're just sitting at this campground above the water and you just have views of this beautiful water and you can see the volcanoes and there's towns all around this lake um, New Year's we had a nice big uh, potluck meal with everybody in the campground and we celebrated New Year's starting at like five o'clock central time because our friend Tanya had her friend Laura visiting from Germany, I think it was five or something. But that was New Year's for them. So like we kept celebrating New Year's at like five, eight, nine, 10 o'clock or everybody's different time zones, whatever. And then Laura and I went down to the pier on the water uh, for midnight, and knew there was going to be fireworks because they do fireworks. For anything. <laughs> these country in Mexico, in Belize, in Guatemala haven't really experienced many in El Salvador, but. No, not yet but fireworks are like for everything. Like you saw an amazing fireworks show for Christmas Eve in Antigua, and all around the campground, all around the city and the area, there's fireworks everywhere. Um, And so I figured there would be fireworks for New Year's Eve. And we just sat on this pier on the water and just, it didn't matter where you looked. And we had a probably a good 180 degree view of the lake. It was fireworks everywhere for at least 30 minutes, just all on the edges of this lake and up on the ridge above the lake. It, it, was, it was quite beautiful, quite beautiful. And
1: you could see the reflection of the fireworks on the lake.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I, I heard it from the van. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I didn't participate in any of those things, but uh, it sounded amazing from the van. Pele does not like fireworks, so he was, like, cowering under my elbow, but, uh, yeah, it sounded pretty intense.
2: But, yeah, for, I don't know, for two weeks we were, a little over two weeks, we were in Atitlan, and you can take, um, you could drive, but we, the roads are not fantastic at all, and some of them are not safe. So we just stayed parked and either walked into the little town, which is like a 10-minute walk on the road, or you can take a launcha, a boat, to any town on the lake, which is, I think, the preferred method. And you just walk down to the dock where we were staying, and whichever direction you wanted to go, to the right or to the left. there would be a boat coming and heading to that direction, and you just wave. And if they have room, they pull over to the dock and pick you up. It's quite simple. And, of course, Pele could get on the boats, which was quite nice. And we just would check out towns on the lake. Um, Of course, San Marcos, and there was San Juan, and San Pedro, and Santiago, and Panahashal. And we went to Santa Cruz Mm -hmm. as well. And we just kind of checked out these towns. Some were a little bit less touristy than others. Um, go to the Mercados, which we like a lot. Um, we did a couple of hikes around the area. Um, we
1: did also each go separately to the town of Chichi Castanango, which right. is just fun to say and amazing <laughs> to visit because it is the largest um, indigenous market in South America or uh, Central America. Mm-hmm. It's
2: You can just say Chichi, too. Chichi is,
1: is also fun. And it's just a it's a really crazy place mm-hmm. you t- you take this crazy road to get there uh on a little micro bus
2: borderline car sick
1: yeah everybody in the car was like not feeling so hot and then uh you go to this wonderfully colorful market with uh you know people walking around with baskets on their heads and selling i mean everything from like batteries for a watch to uh a kitten You could buy a kitten for a dollar, uh, crazy vegetables and colorful clothing and, uh, it it was amazing. I went to, uh, Tiffany went one day and I went another because we, bringing Pele to stuff like that is not cool. Uh, he tries to eat everything off the ground and he actually did get sick in one Mercado uh, because of it, but, um, yeah, we, we went separately so we didn't have to take the dog and, um, When I went, I ended up walking up to the cemetery and I got to sort of witness a really interesting Mayan ritual. Uh, It was like for, I guess, um, I don't know, prayers for the dead or something like that. I don't exactly know what it was because no one there could tell me what it was, but it was interesting and and beautiful and smelled really good because they burned copal. Yeah, we went to that and then I took a uh, solo mission to the town of Sheila, uh, Quetzaltenango. And I became friends with the guy who drove the bus, the chicken bus, which they just call an auto bus. But the guy, uh, Julio, was such a cool person. He like took me under his wing when we got to Sheila and helped me get, I had to fill a propane tank. So he got me all sorted out there. And then um, he, he and I walked through the Mercado together. We ate lunch. Uh, It was really, really cool. And then two days later, he and his whole family and Tiffany and Pele and I had lunch and hung out in his hometown of San Pedro on the lake. It was, uh, it was really special to get to to know that guy. And then when Tiffany and I left Atitlan for Sheila, he was one of the first people we saw there. We went and uh, walked around the town and He walked us through the Mercado again, and I mean, he walked us for what, like an hour? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the guy's got a bus to drive, like he has shit to do, you know, driving those buses is no joke. They're retired, like American school buses that are repurposed and have all their emissions controls ripped out so that they can go away faster. And they drive these insane routes through these mountain roads, curvy and dangerous up and down hills. And I would argue that his route is one of the most dangerous, because he has to go down to the lake from the mountain. And that that route destroyed my brakes. I mean, it's amazing how they do it. They climb in and out, up and down these things every day. And uh, the guy took time out of that to like hang out with two goofball gringos and their dog. Uh, and was just nothing but gracious and kind and patient with us. And, it was a special, uh, special treat to get to hang out with that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we also uh, hiked another volcano in um, uh, Sheila with a group called Quetzal Trekkers, who are very cool. Um, I think did, we mentioned them before, right? On another episode,
2: mm, I don't think I, I feel so.
1: like I feel like we did, but whatever. Quetzal Trekkers is awesome. Um, if we haven't already, I'll put up another uh, link to what they do, because they're like a sort of a humanitarian organization who educates children with money they make off of taking gringos and others up volcanoes, fleecing them for ex- exorbitantly uh, large amounts of money to, to go up, but it's worth it because you're helping. they
2: feed kids. you really well, too. Yeah.
1: Um, and then uh, from there, from Sheila, we went... We had to go to Guatemala City to. No,
2: no, 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 no.
1: Wait, wait. Where do I miss it?
2: Well, oh, people shit. may people may want to know what volcano we went up, and it was San, Santa Maria. Santa, uh, Maria. Yeah. And it's not active, but yeah. a little piece of it, San uh, Santiago, I think, is what it's called, is active. It's not um, it's not as uh, quote exciting as Fuego. You don't really. You just. It's more. Uh, sulfuric clouds that burst from it, but it did erupt pretty significantly It farts uh, quite a few years back and caused some destruction, this little part of Santa Maria Mm -hmm. but we hiked up that um, that volcano and we spent, I don't know a few days in Sheila, just walking around which is what we like to do and checked out the plaza and the mercado and and met up with one of the hikers randomly that we walked up the volcano with and hung out with her for a little bit. Um, and then we left and went to Lago Chica Ball. Oh, that's right. And that's like, um, which we did talk about this. Yeah,
1: yep. we talked about this. It's but just, <laughs> I forgot to mention, the moment we got into Shayla, oh, yeah. like within seconds of us driving into town we were, we were so close to where we thought we would be staying for the night. And the streets are incredibly narrow. I mean, they were meant for a horse and buggy and then like some people walking next to that. They were not designed for cars ever. Uh, and especially not two cars, one of which is a big old dumb Mercedes van. Uh, and I sideswiped someone, I, not very significantly, but significantly enough to like kind of pop off their front bumper and scrape off some paint. Uh, so I pulled red over. paint on their white car. Yeah, put red paint on a white car. So I pulled over and was very apologetic to the woman who was happened to be standing right there when it happened. Um, it was a little bit chaotic, but they were very understanding. I was like, look, it's my fault. I'll pay for it. Whatever. Let's just handle it. And uh, I'm expecting, you know, hundreds of dollars worth of repair. She called the mechanic talked to him for about two minutes put down the phone and asked me very very sheepishly like nervously asked me if I could give her a hundred and ten dollars for the repairs and uh I of course was like I mean I was so desperately relieved that that was the extent of the damage I was like are you sure like this is all you need is this She's like no no it's." It's fine, it's fine, this is all I need. And I gave her 110 bucks and it was over. No police, no victim's report, no holding their neck and claiming no that insurance. I- No insurance. Nothing, nothing. I gave her my WhatsApp phone number <laughs> uh, just so that she would, I wanted her to know that like if there's any real problems, I would take care of it. And we've never heard from her again, that was it. The whole episode cost $110. I fixed the damage to our vehicle in a parking lot that night. It was nothing. I was just so incredibly fortunate that it was nothing and that the the damage only cost 110 bucks. It was kind of crazy. Okay, we've already talked about the lake, our experience of the lake, right? The Mayan Lake. I believe so. Which was beautiful and cool. Uh, and then we had to go to, um, I'm eager to wrap this up, can you tell? Sorry. <laughs> We went to Guatemala City to do incredibly expensive repairs. The money that we did not spend on fixing that lady's car, we spent on fixing ours. We got new brakes, new tie rod ends, like a, the, whole, the whole end, uh, the whole tie rods, both of them. Um, new sensors for the brakes. Uh, changed out the fluid in our power steering. And we had to get new batteries for our solar. And that, I feel like I made a series of of bad choices, but uh, we couldn't get batteries. We couldn't get the batteries we wanted. It would have taken like a month to get them in uh, in Guatemala. Um, And they were, we bought the most expensive batteries possible that were twice the size physically and in storage capacity than our previous batteries. Which, uh, if you know anything about living in a tiny space, everything has a place, and to suddenly have your battery storage place no longer the place where you store batteries, uh, it changed a lot of things in our van and it, it really kind of messed up our our storage scenario and now we have these two enormous incongruous, expensive batteries in our van. Um, it's sort of an upgrade in that the capacity is more, but it's a Tremendous downgrade because it looks like a a Disabled gorilla designed the thing and threw in whatever batteries they could pick up Uh, No offense to disabled gorillas, but anyhow, that was our uh, our last little taste of um, Like spending big money in in Guatemala, but we did meet some lovely people in Guatemala City who we stayed with uh, this hilarious lady named Irina Irene.
2: Irene.
1: Irene. She cooked us like breakfast and lunch every day for three days. She was wonderful. Um, And her son, Axel, who runs a really, or not her son, Jesus, her friend, (laughs) (laughs) Axel, who runs a great little uh, Airbnb and and lets um, dirty van people sleep out front and use a shower. Um, It's great. That's, I don't really want to talk anymore. I think I think we covered it. It's basically, the story is Guatemala is great, man. Yes. It's Great. Go we there.
2: I highly recommend going if you have any questions or you've ever thought for a second, I wonder what Guatemala is like. Go. Yeah, go. Go. It's it's so beautiful, it's so cultural. It's so interesting. There's so much history there. The weather is quite nice. Um, we had such a positive experience there. I think we spent a roughly six weeks, maybe. And know, their grocery know?
1: stores are like totally awesome. Oh my god! And their wine, and the wine
2: is just so oh, affordable. Jesus. Um, yes, it's it's a beautiful country. I'm very. Very, very thankful we had the opportunity to go and spend as much time as we did and to meet the people that we got to meet, um, travelers and locals. Yes. You know, we didn't mention little Maria and her little sister Lourdes at the campground in Antigua. This little girl, her mom worked at the restaurant and she came over to the campground and hung out with us gringos all day long. And she didn't speak English and we don't really speak Spanish, but we had a really great time just hanging out and talking to her and um she was super super sweet super curious um
1: chaos is
2: chaos is.
1: she has you that every day yeah what, what are, are you, you doing
2: what are you doing um but i'm i'm very i feel very fortunate we had the time we had there and i look forward to hopefully going back one day mm-hmm. so i am with what little information we gave you guys, if you have any more specific questions, um, please feel free to ask us, or if we don't know, we know people who do know.
1: And big shout out to our friend Parisa, who Tiffany just happened to be in the same building with. at some hippie ass thing where they're chanting (laughs) to their chakras. I don't know what it was. Uh, she just happened to see, happened to see, um, this, this woman that we met almost exactly true. a year ago mm-hmm. at our friend Tal Ruspoli's place in Joshua Tree. Yep. She was just there. And we ended up having dinners with her and meeting her boyfriend, Doug. Uh, really, really cool.
2: Yeah, you just never know no, what. You never know. The timing is just such an amazing thing. We, neither one of us had any idea the other one was there. And we were at some random place. What, kind of like you had to walk A good 30 minutes away from the road To get to this place It was called the Yoga Forest And they were doing a It's got a kirtan, it's like a tea meditation thing I've never done it before But I went with our friend Tanya and Elion And Laura And I was, you know, we were all just sitting there Doing this thing and I look over And there's our friend Parisa Um, You just never know What's going to happen in this world It's, It's beautiful So yeah, thanks for bringing that up
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful world. Congratulations, everyone. You get to live in it. (laughs) Don't fuck it up. We love you. I hope you're doing fun and interesting things. Tiffany, you want to sign us off?
2: Um, Well, yeah. Much love to each and every one of you guys. And thank you for all of the support and kind words and communication. Um, It's always so, so nice and special to hear from anyone. We love it. So thank you to each and every one of you. And we'll bring you our little tidbits from El Salvador soon.
1: I'm glad that you put a question mark on that soon. (laughs) Because I don't know. Okay. Adios.
2: Adios, chicos.